There's a snap. There's a kick. It is up. It is. No good. No one missed. I think we got a heck of a shot of winning. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. For all you non-believers, disrespect us. Talk crap about the defense, like we ain't the third best defense in the league. See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait. Fitzpatrick. Enzo. Eric Decker holds it in. The Jets win in overtime. And the New York Giants, given the last rights by many in December, are the Super Bowl champs in February. This is NFL Friday. Going long on all news, reaction, and game picks for the Giants, Jets, and across the NFL on WFUV Sports. Hello and welcome to another special edition of NFL Friday. I'm Colin Locker and happy to be with you. And man, oh man, has there been a lot going on in the NFL as we go into week three fully. Just last night, the Panthers win 24-9 to over the Houston Texans, 304 passing yards for one ex-Jets quarterback, Sam Darnold. Big defensive game for Carolina. A lot more to talk about. The Jets, terrible game last week against New England. Zach Wilson struggling out of the gate. Brady being Brady and the Bucks keep on rolling. Big game between the Ravens and the Chiefs last week on Sunday night football. We'll have our picks. We'll have talk about fantasy football. It's going to be a blast. And I'm here today with Mike Messina. Mike, how are you doing? Colin, I'm doing great, man. It, it was a great, great last Sunday. Great slate of football that, that we all had the opportunity to watch. We have another great slate coming in two days. It's We're recording on Friday morning, so, so just two short days. We have Eli Manning retirement uh, number getting retired on Sunday when, when they host the Falcons. I'll be at that game for WFUV Sports, so we'll have some coverage on that next week. And I'm just excited, man. I'm, I'm excited for football to start picking up. Week three is usually when, when things start getting really interesting. You've got some undefeated teams you got some teams who haven't won games yet so, so it's really exciting to see where teams can go at this point and, and I, I really can't wait for Sunday so much to be excited about also with us today is our fantasy expert Tyler you Tyler it's great to be with you how are you doing today my friend I'm fantastic today Colin I'm really excited for this week there's so many like great games that I'm really excited for particularly the Bucks versus Rams game that's for, for me, the NFC Championship preview right there, I'm ex- I'm extremely excited for that game. I think that's going to be the best game of the week, honestly. Bucks, Rams, Brady, Stafford, it's going to be a treat to watch. But before we get to that and fully dive into the Week 3 slate, we have to start a little bit local here and talk about the New York Jets. Last week, of course, they lose to New England 25-6. to Wilson, their new rookie quarterback, goes 19-33 of passing with four interceptions. I mean, is anyone really surprised they lost here? I mean, my thoughts off the top of my head is they had to reshuffle the offensive line after Makai Becton goes down. With that being said, Wilson wasn't getting the protection that he needed, and that's giving him the benefit of the doubt. Now, if I want to be more of a stinker about it, the Jets had more first downs and had more possession of the ball on offense than New England during the entire game, which to me says that Wilson's terrible performance is a product of just bad decision-making. Gentlemen, what am I looking at here? Mike, I'll swing it to you first on this. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to come right off and say it. It's not a hot take. It's not something that a lot of people don't agree with. The Jets still stink. Nothing has changed 
so far within the first two games of the season, rightfully so, new rookie quarterback, pretty much a, a, an entire line, new line and a ton of injuries coming their way. But Zach Wilson, first two throws are both interceptions. He, he threw three interceptions in his first five pass attempts. That is not okay for a starting quarterback to do, especially for a New York team. He cannot be throwing three interceptions before the first half even ends. First five pass attempts, he has three interceptions already. I mean, he threw for 210 yards, good for him and all, but that was the worst performance I, I, I've seen in so long from really any Jets player. I mean, that was terrible. I mean, obviously he had no help from his offensive line with Kai Beckman going down with that injury. Um, nothing really got going for them. I mean, Michael Carter was a rushing leader, 11 carries, 59 yards. That is not going to get them to win a football game at all. Wilson had no protection. I, 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 I'm, watching, I'm watching the game back and I'm looking at highlights. He's dropping back in the pocket and he just has four Patriots coming right in his face and no one guarding him. It, it was pretty funny. I was, I was scrolling Twitter yesterday and a little kid did a little did, did a breakdown of the game. And he goes, oh, look, you got two Jets offensive linemen blocking themselves. You got this guy not even looking at the game. You got this guy on the ground just doing nothing. Like, it was crazy to watch that, that this Jets performance. And just nothing has changed. I'm pretty sure this is now the 11th straight time they have lost to the New England Patriots. So, I'm, I mean, not, nothing's changed. It was just an awful performance by, by Zach Wilson and, and the Jets as a whole. But Wilson did take pretty much full accountability for this. He was like, the fans deserve to be booing. I mean, we did not play well. I didn't play well. The team didn't play well. So why, like, we should be getting booed. And I, I like that comment by him because New York fan, fans are sticklers when it comes to playing well and booing their own guys, whether it's Aaron Judge, uh, Zach Wilson. I, I mean, anybody in New York has an opportunity to get booed if they're not playing well, no matter how much of a star they could be. And Zach Wilson wearing that on his chest and pretty much taking accountability. I like that. I, I, I think he's maturing. And, and I do think he's a great – I'm not going to say great quarterback. They mean to say that. He's a good quarterback. But there is so much room for improvement for him and this Jets team as a whole. But I, I, I don't know if there's going to be much improvement going forward this season because that was one of the worst performances I, I, I've seen in a while. I mean, I'm right there with you, Mike. I saw that same video on Twitter of that little kid roast the Jets, and it's just an embarrassment to see like what the Jets have, like the Jets bring forth every weekend with that offensive line. And a quarter, as I said, a quarterback is only good, as good as his offensive line makes him. Zach Wilson had maybe one second, two seconds to drop back, and the Patriots or four or five Patriots, as you said, were all on his face, ready to attack him, ready to sack him. And the Patriots, as you know, have elite defensive backs, so they're going to make his life hell. I mean, it's times. He, right. he, he got, he got, he got sacked four times, and his offensive line just was not there to protect him at right. all. Right, and not just sacks. He was getting pressured every other down, it felt like. It felt like he had no time. And I'm, I'm going to take this performance with a grain of salt for the reason that Bill Belichick eats rookie quarterbacks for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. If you saw, I think there was a stat um, during the game. I don't – but the record that rookie quarterbacks have against Belichick is very, very bad. It's like 6-24 and 24 or something over his – last 20 years since the Brady era or something like very 22 and six. And uh, he's 22 and six against rookie quarterbacks. Belichick is a defensive mastermind. He knows how to get to rookie quarterbacks heads. And last Sunday it was no different. You see Zach Wilson looked intimidated. He looked just terrible. I was watching the game with a couple of Jets fans. I've never seen some people that angry, but I'm going to, and I've t- t- had like conversations with my friends over, over uh, Zach Wilson 
one of them is ready to jump off the bandwagon. I'm like, yeah, you can't do that. He, it's two games in his career. He looked really good. It was only one pick. He looked pretty damn good against the Panthers, who have not a bad defense at all. They have a very young, aggressive, hungry defense that has elite pass rush and pieces that can move all over the place. So I think that Zach Wilson, we're going to have to take this performance with a grain of salt. We'll see what he does week three in Denver, who's another elite defense. He he hasn't been able to catch a break since he's gotten to the league. Mekhi Becton, his best offensive lineman, goes down for about six to eight weeks. Elijah Moore has not been what we expected of. He he, I know it's only two weeks, but he hasn't been given that production that we've expected. Corey Davis has been good, but the Jets need to give him a little more help. Michael Four has to scheme guys with more open with that West Coast offense, but we got to give him a little more time. I still think that Zach Wilson could be a good quarterback, but the way, as you said, he took the booing on his chest, I respect that a lot. I think. Not a lot of New York athletes get that right away. And guys get booed right out of the gate. You saw it with Giancarlo Stan. You're seeing like guys like Joey Gallo with the Yankees. Guys get booed right out of the gate if they don't perform right away. So Zach Wilson taking that on his chest shows that he's got a good head on his shoulders. He he knows that he's not playing well, but he knows he's he's got ways to get better. And I, I respect that a lot. I think that I know it's not going to be like, oh, the Jets have found their franchise savior because I'm not going to say that after a guy just threw four picks and got embarrassed by the New England Patriots. But he, I, I believe in him to like lead the Jets to respectability. I think that he's got a pretty good core in front of him. Like once Beckton gets healthy, I think that the core is not as bad as people think. I believe that I believe in Salah and LaFleur to lead them to respectability. But th- this wasn't the best performance. Let's say it that way. I think we're all touching on it is the fact that losing a guy like Becton, having the O-line reshuffle definitely didn't help Wilson. But even on some of those plays, I think he was trying to force the ball to Corey Davis a few times where he just dropped back and had time in the pocket. Like, make no mistake, this is coming from a Pats fan, by the way. This New England defensive front is not what it was back in the heyday when you had guys like Rob Ninkovich and, you know, a prime Dante Hightower just coming straight down into the pocket. This is a different type of Patriots team that actually has a stronger secondary which, by the way, is still missing Stefan Gilmore. Uh, you know, the Pats have guys like Jalen Mills and McCordy's of the world that can play well. But I thought on paper this was a winnable game for Zach Wilson and the Jets. I mean, it should not have been a paint-drying event that it was where we all kind of just sat there, Pats fans included, and we're like, is something going to happen other than Zach Wilson dropping back and throwing interceptions? I'm wondering, guys, as we head into week three here, we're going up against Denver next week jets teddy bridgewater has been productive so far this year 54 of 70 completions so far four touchdowns and melvin gordon the third still a decent running back denver hasn't been great but they've been productive they won week one against the giants they followed it up with a strong performance in week two can the jets compete in this game or is what we saw in week two an indication of what's to come for the jets going forward no, the, the Jets aren't winning this game. I, the, the game's not going to be close. I'm going down the Jets' schedule right now. They have the Broncos next week. They have the Titans. They're not going to beat the Titans. Then they have the Falcons, and the Falcons game is kind of a game that's up in the air for me. I mean, Matt Ryan threw for 300 yards against the Bucs last week and was a, a passing leader in that game. Matt Ryan is, is still a good quarterback. He has Calvin Ridley. He has Kyle Pitts. So I still don't think the Jets are going to be able to beat the Falcons. Then they go back to, to – the, then they face the Patriots again in New England, and, and – I mean, if they're going to win a game, I think it, it's going to be that one in New England. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a tough, obviously, a, a tough crowd over there going in there for the you, first time. You, not really knowing what to expect, of course. But if they're going to win a game that's coming up, I think the Patriots game is the most wide open game. 
maybe the Bengals, depending on how their injury situation um, sums up, but they don't have many wins coming down their schedule um, for, for a couple of weeks. Maybe the Dolphins, I think it's week nine or 10, they face them or in the back-to-back Dolphins, Texans, those are two winnable games since two is out with the hip injury, but they have so much to work on it if they want to even win a couple games this season. I, I think I had them winning no more than three or four games. I, I believe I did in the preseason uh, prediction. So I'm sticking with that. I, I mean, that was an abysmal performance. They have now lost 11 straight games in September. And, and I mean, that's just terrible. I mean, that must be going 0-2, 0-3 for at least three or four straight seasons. So, I, I, I mean, it, it's nothing new. It's something you're used to. Same with the Giants. Nothing new. You're used to it. Um, but but if, if Zach Wilson – wants to make a name for himself and wants to be that quarterback that the Jets organization thinks he is. And that a lot of fans thinks he is. He can't be just panicking when he's in the pocket, throwing balls down the field, just to try and make a, a, a nice play because taking a sack is better than throwing an interception. We all know that. And Wilson tried to fit that ball into places that Jets receivers weren't even remotely near. I, I mean, he threw a ball to Corey Davis. I got intercepted, hit off his fingertips and it just got bobbled 15 times. I, I mean, Corey Davis had a chance at getting that ball if he just jumped a little bit more. But ultimately, it comes down to Zach Wilson could have got the ball in a better spot. I mean, he his vision has to be better going downfield. He can't fit these ball into tight spots that have the opportunity to get picked off because we saw it last week. It will get intercepted. And it was just an ugly performance by the Jets all around. Even with Mekhi Becton not being injured, I don't think that would have made really any change. I, I mean, the Patriots just overplayed them from the start. I mean, I mean, the first half was very, very boring. Wasn't a good football game in the first half. And I feel like everyone knew the Patriots were kind of just slowly start running away with the game coming into the second half, which, which they did. But it, it was just a very ugly performance by the Jets. And if they want to have any chance against the Broncos on, on Sunday, they need to fix that offensive line quick. And they need to be able to give Zach Wilson time in the pocket in order to make his decisions and get his different reads. As you said, Colin, you said that the Patriots front six, front seven is not as strong as it used to be. Now they're facing Denver, who has probably one of the strongest front six sevens in the league with led by Von Miller, Bradley Chubb off the edge. And an elite secondary, no, like no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You got Justin Simmons at the back end. It's the, the leader at free safety. You got like guys like Patrick Sertan, the rookie, who's looked pretty good recently. Uh, Sertan, you got Kareem Jackson. You have a loaded defense. That defense is good in Denver. I saw it live and direct when I was at the Giants game week one. We saw them get Molly off the Giants. Teddy Two Gloves look fantastic. Kyle Fuller. That's a loaded. That's a loaded team right there. The Denver Broncos are not a bad team. They, I don't think it's going to be close between them and the Jets. I think it's going to be. I wrote that in my predict score predictions. I think it's going to be twenty-seven to ten Broncos. I think the Broncos are going to Molly off them. I think Teddy Two Gloves. He's looked really good so far this season. I know he's not the big playmaker as the quarterback, but he he is consistent. You know what you're getting from Teddy Bridgewater. Um, they have a pretty good offense. They have a good offensive line. They have a very complete team, I'd say. The Broncos have a very complete team. They're a quarterback away from being a playoff team, and right now I think they are a borderline playoff team. Being 2-0, they have an easy start with the, the Giants, and then now they play the Jets. And, like, I think the Broncos are going to absolutely demolish the Jets. I'm sorry to all the Jets fans. Jets won't be getting any tears from me this week. I was more than happy to see Mac Jones notch win number one. But we're going to have to switch topics here just a little bit. 
and talk about a guy who knows the AFC East fairly well and has since moved down to Florida, as many older people do. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a big win last week over the Atlanta Falcons and moved to 2-0, winning the game 48-25. to Brady, as good as ever, 276 yards, five touchdowns, nine total this season. And here's a fun fact. His passer rating is as good as it's been since 2007. Guys, with weapons like Scott Miller, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, by the way, I mentioned Scotty Miller because I have a fun prediction that he's going to be a prototype like Julian Edelman in the weeks to come. And I think that's going to be very useful for Tampa Bay down the stretch to have a slot receiver, but I digress. With weapons like that, with the way that Brady's playing, what is this team's ceiling? Obviously, they brought back everyone from the Super Bowl championship winning roster. The ceiling has to be there in my estimation. I mean, you can't look at this team and not think that they're destined to at least make an appearance in the NFC championship. Mike, is there anyone that can challenge them? And how do you see this Bucks team going forward on offense? We'll start there. In my opinion, I think they're the clear favorite to, to go to the NFC title game. I mean, reigning Super Bowl champions. And I, I have this theory that I'm sure a lot of other people do. I don't bet against or go against the Super Bowl or any title winning team until they prove that they're, that they can't do it anymore. And they have not proved that. I mean, Brady threw five touchdowns last game. He is 44, I believe, right? Colin 44. Yeah, he's 44 years old throwing five touchdowns. I mean, going back to, to his days with the Patriots, two touchdowns to Rob Gronkowski, two weeks in a row. I, I mean, that's some old time stuff right there. And, and that's huge. That's huge. Brady needs Gronk. I, 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 I think in order to succeed, um, He's shown it in the past with it with his all of his Super Bowl success and just his playoff success in general. Rob Gronkowski is a huge part of Tom Brady's life in football, and they need each other to succeed. And it's just how it is. Look, Gronk retired and only wanted to come back to play with Brady. And I mean, look what they're doing together. I mean, Tom Brady didn't even have the most yards in the game. Matt Ryan out doing by I think twenty four yards or something like that. But it was a close game going going into um, the third quarter. I, I mean, it was a twenty eight twenty five game going into the third quarter and the game wasn't like in the Buccaneers hands by that point, they had to come out in that fourth quarter. And I'm pretty sure they outscored them 20 to nothing in that fourth quarter. They did 20 to nothing. And that fourth quarter was huge for them without that. I mean, this game was going to be a nail biter and coming down to the wire, but I don't know if there's a team as deep or as talented as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. I mean, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski. I, I mean, you have playoff Lenny going four receptions for 24 yards passing. I, I mean, there's so many guys who can contribute to this team. Ronald Jones in the backfield switching off with Leonard Fournette. I, there, there's so many guys who can contribute to this team. And this, that defense is spectacular, man. I, I mean, they, I forget who it was. One of the guys took a bad penalty that that can happen. I believe it was um, uh, rough in the pass or a hit to the head or something. I can't remember what exactly it was, but some bad penalties. But that defense is spectacular, man. And, and I'm not sure what offense can, can really run the ball down their throat or pass the ball down their throat. I don't know if that's possible, but the ceiling is really endless for this Buccaneers team. I, I mean, I think they have a shot to, to go back to back, just like the Tampa Bay Lightning did. So, so I mean, the ceiling is endless for this team. I'm excited. I, I, I'm a Tom Brady fan. Um, I have, I, I, he's obviously the greatest quarterback, so nothing against him. And, and I think that, this, the, the ceiling is endless for this team, and I, I'm very excited to see where he brings this team and, and where Bruce Arians brings this team. I agree right there. I think the ceiling is back-to-back. -back. I think 
anything less would be kind of a disappointment for a team that bought back 22, all 22 starters on both sides of the ball. And the dominant win in the Super Bowl last year against the Kansas City Chiefs, I think that the the Buccaneers, look, they look pretty fantastic the first two weeks. I know the Cowboys game was a close game, but they look good. They did not look like a bad team. Brady's looked fantastic. Brady's looked as good as I've ever seen him pretty much. He, he, he just like looks like he's 44. He looks 44 going on 25. He looks... He's playing unbelievable, uh, unbelievable football. He's just enjoying himself. And the defense is, as I said, the defense, you said the defense is spectacular. This is one of the best run defenses I've ever seen, with led by Vita Vea up front, Ndamukong Su, and the, the linebacking duo that of dreams. You got Levante David and Devin White. That's a dream linebacker duo. I don't think there's a better linebacker duo in the NFL going back to on like Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman. That's a loaded run defense, and their pass defense does have a couple weaknesses. They lose Sean Murphy bunting for a little bit, their nickel corner, but this is a very, very good team, a great team, and some may say the best team in the NFL. I would be glad to agree. I'd say they are right now the best team in the NFL until proven otherwise. I think this week is going to be their first true test of who they really are, playing against a very good Rams team who – did get challenged a little bit by the Colts until Carson Wentz went down with the injuries to his ankles. But the Rams team is a, another very good team. I think another top five team in the NFL. So I think this game is going to be one of the best game, one of the marquee games of the season early on. You get to see an elite quarterback matchup between Brady and Stafford. You get to see great defenses and great weapons all around. And I think this is Tampa's first real test. To see, like, are they really the Super Bowl repeat? type of team or are they like NFC title game, NFC divisional type of team? I think that they are NFC title game repeat. And I think this this upcoming matchup, I think this is going to be the re, uh, rematch for the NFC title game between two of the best teams in the NFC. So I think this is going to be a huge game for both teams to show who they really are. You guys watching Brady and Gronk back at it in Tampa Bay, I can't help but get starry. I, I know there's that old adage, if you love something, let it go. And all of New England had to let go Brady and Gronk and let them go to Florida before they could rest up and actually play well instead of dealing with Belichick in the cold and the snow and all of that. So we will see how they do. But on defense, we've been talking about it and touching on it. You know, Sean Murphy bunting out, you know. Uh, the secondary is a little banged up. Carlton Davis the third, he's out too. Obviously, everyone talks about Tampa Bay's, you know, front front part of their defense with Vita Vey and Shaquille Barrett, guys like that, that can really do some damage on the opposing quarterback. But that secondary right now is struggling to put it together. Uh, Tampa Bay Times actually wrote an article where they talk about this could be the downfall of this Buccaneers team. Now, Tyler, you touched on it too earlier. Now, they're playing a team like L.A. this weekend. And I say like L.A. because there's going to be more mm -hmm. of them down the road. If you get to a Super Bowl, you might have to play a team like L.A. in Kansas City in that you have a right. gunslinging quarterback. You have mm -hmm. Tyree Kill running circles around your secondary. Now, I think the Rams are going to be a good litmus test for mm -hmm. what is currently there for the secondary. I mean, Cooper Cup is no scrub. Oh, he's a stud. Right? He's a great wide receiver. Deshaun Jackson could go off at any moment. I'm sure Giants fans still have nightmares about him uh, taking over at the Meadowlands years ago. So what are we expecting here? Can the secondary put up a fight against the Rams receiving core this Sunday? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, this defense can put up a fight against any offense in the NFL, I think. Uh, they're one of the best defenses. 
Um, something I something I worried about coming to the season was um, with them resigning all of their players. Do they kind of have that Super Bowl lag? Like they're not going to put in as much effort at practice, or or even during the games, is their heads kind of out of it? And I I was wrong. Their heads are a hundred percent in in this season, and they want to win every game, just like they're capable of doing. But this defense can go up against any offense in the National Football League, and there's nothing that can change my mind about that. I mean, yeah, the Rams have a great offense. With now that Matt Stafford there, they have someone who can throw the ball downfield. They have Robert Woods, like you said, Deshaun Jackson can really go off at any time, and he's obviously hit or miss. He he he's getting old now, but he he's still a good football player. Can still go off, get yards, and score touchdowns whenever he really wants. I, I mean. Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, there's so many guys on this team who can produce, but I just don't know if that's enough to stop the Buccaneers' defense. I, I really don't. And I just want to bring up a quick point that um, about, about uh, Brady and Gronk. They now have 88 uh, touchdowns as a passing duel, one behind Phillip Rivers and Antonio Gates for second place, which is behind Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison for first place with 112 touchdowns. So I'm not sure if Brady and Gronk are going to get to that 113 mark to, to be number one on the leaderboards, but they're right behind Rivers and Antonio Gates for, for second all time, which is pretty interesting to me. That's insane considering Rivers and Gates played a lot longer than Gronk and Brady did together. But if you think about it this way, Brady's going to play for the next 25, 30 years. I think there's a chance to break it. But uh, in all seriousness, um, this game, I think – the fact that the Buccaneers have a banged up secondary, as you mentioned, I didn't know that Davis was actually hurt. Carlton Davis, the third, he is their best corner. Uh, losing him, losing Murphy, bunting, and having a banged up secondary is going to be huge for a guy in Sean McVay, the head coach, who is an offensive surgeon, as I like to describe. His game plans are work, just a work of art. It's beautiful. I think that he's going to be able to scheme guys like Cooper Cup, Robert Woods open, get Higby open on little easy routes over the middle i think that this is the most like this is the most losable game for the buccaneers on their whole schedule i think the bucks are that good of a team i don't think they're gonna go undefeated i think they're gonna fall to a blip in the road but i think this is like the most losable game like i think that the rams are the best team they're gonna play all year um unless they play the chiefs in the super bowl but we're talking about regular season this rams team is very very good i think actually i think the rams aren't going to upset the are they? I think they might be underdogs, but I think they are going to upset the Buccaneers. I think the Rams are pretty much fully healthy. A couple nicks, a couple bang up, bang ups, a couple here and there's, but this Rams team is going to be the toughest matchup for the Bucs all season, in my opinion. I think this is the game where the Rams will win, but it's going to be very close and it's going to be very exciting. Something to mention, the Rams starting running back, Daryl Henderson, mm -hmm. is questionable right now. He didn't practice yesterday, so we have to see what they're going to be able to go from the running back standpoint. I mean, if, right. if they're running their running back two and three, I, I mean, that Bucks defensive line is just going to smother them, and they're right. really not going to be able to produce anything. So we'll have to see if he's healthy enough to play on Sunday, which for the Rams' sake, obviously, they hope he is. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm expecting a passing shootout. I, I'm going to get to Daryl Henderson Jr. in a little bit, actually, funny enough. But – um. I think I'm expecting a passing shootout. I think both those, both attacks, they know they're not predicated on the run game. Like DeBron Jones and Leonard Fournette are serviceable, good running backs, but they're not superstars. And it's not like you're getting you're, it's not like you're getting McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, or like one of those like superstar running backs. You're just getting a decent running back who'll get you four yards of carry on 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 average, I'd say. So 
you're I'm expecting a very like high paced passing shootout between Brady and Stafford. And I think whoever gets the last possession wins that game. It's going to be fun though. I'm definitely expecting a shootout as well. It should be noted that Stafford has the fourth highest QBR amongst active quarterbacks this season so far which is pretty impressive when you consider he's playing against guys like Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady in that same conversation. Uh, but yeah, I see this being a shootout. I could see this being a situation where defensive uh, secondary for Tampa Bay doesn't live up to expectations against the Rams and they get picked apart early. Now, in terms of the pace of the game, I say a shootout because of Bruce Arians, the coach, and I know his offensive style is no risk it, no biscuit. It's not going to be, classic Brady Belichick where you'd milk the clock you drive the ball down the field and you would take the opposing team's offense completely out of the game uh, which I think is actually going to hurt Tampa Bay in a game uh, against a team like the Rams where that might actually be beneficial run the ball use Leonard Fournette use a guy like Ronald Jones you know make sure that you're taking time off the clock so Stafford can't just get back in the pocket and sling it for touchdowns uh, and, and make this into a grinded out game because if it becomes that type of a game Tampa Bay's defense up front is going to be well rested they'll have time on the bench they'll have time to recuperate come back and then Stafford's going to have to be smothered in the pocket at that point because if Tampa Bay's defense is rested and healthy in my estimation they're one of the best in the NFL which is something we've we've touched on we've talked about here Uh, I think though at the end of the day this will be a shootout because of Arian's style and because of McVay's style and what those teams are trying to do uh, but it's going to be interesting to see one way or another I mean ev- everyone thinks it's going to be a close game the the Bucks are only favored by a point so uh, so I mean it's pretty much down to a pick them at this point so the, the game's up for grabs it, it's certainly not an automatic win for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers at any cost I, I mean this is going to come down pro- probably to the wire and it, there's going to be fireworks at the end it's going to be a fantastic game probably maybe the game of the week but there's so much thought that can go into this game from, from either side, how they want to play. Is Jason Pierre-Paul going to be able to get in the face of Matt Stafford and really not give him that throwing lane in order to get balls downfield? But it really all comes down to, to how Bruce Arians want, want, wants to run this and really what his thought process is during the game. Without a doubt. And if I'm a betting man, I don't think Bruce is changing his strategy for any reason. He's always going he to want to chuck the ball down mm-hmm. the field and hope for the best. And you know what? It's been working pretty damn well so far so i'm not going to question it but to shift from one great game that's about to happen to talk a little bit about one that has already happened because it was just so exciting it is definitely worth talking about last week the baltimore ravens upset the kansas city chiefs and i will call it an upset because i do believe kansas city was favored regardless of the fact that the game was in baltimore but baltimore wins 36 to 35 Lamar Jackson with a clutch touchdown run with 314 left on the clock. Mahomes gets the ball back, didn't get the opportunity to drive it upfield and give the Chiefs a win. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with an unfortunate fumble there. Just to run you through some of the Lamar stats that people are talking about uh, in regards to this game, 107 rushing yards, two touchdowns, 18 to 26 passing with a touchdown and two picks. Guys, I'm looking at this game, a great game that it was, and I'm wondering, is this more about Lamar Jackson being better than Patrick Mahomes or more about just the Ravens being able to take advantage of the miscues that don't often happen for the Chiefs in this instance? Yeah, I'm going with the latter here. I I certainly don't think Lamar Jackson is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes at at no means, but Lamar showed up, man. I, I mean, he came out. He did what he had to do, 18 for 26, 239 yards. I mean, 100. He he's 
the rushing leader by at least 40 yards. I, I mean, that's crazy. I, I mean, we figured that. I mean, he's probably a better running back than Tyson Williams is. I mean, I mean, so be it. But for him to come out and do that, get his first ever win against the Chiefs, kind of get his get that weight lifted off of his shoulders, that was a phenomenal game. I, I mean, everything about it. Marquise Brown, 113 yards, a touchdown. Mark Andrews, five receptions, 57 yards. Sammy Watkins even got, got into the game getting 44 yards. I, I, I mean, for this Ravens team, from everything that, that they had to overcome through the offseason and all the injuries that they had during um, the preseason, for them to come out and beat pretty much the one of the best teams in the league and, and arguably the best quarterback in the league, it was phenomenal. I, I mean, it stinks. Lamar Jackson missed, missed practice yesterday because of the flip he did in the end zone. He hurt his hip a little bit. I, I mean, he got the touchdown, but you can't be hurting yourself on, on plays like that, man. I mean, after their whole running back situation, they're running out with Tyson Williams and Latavius Murray, who did score a touchdown and honestly has been playing well as a running back for the Ravens this season. But he can't be putting himself in positions like that to injure himself and get out of and not be able to practice and not even be able to play games. Because if Lamar Jackson can't play, this Ravens team isn't winning. And that's just a simple fact. I mean, he is pretty much the backbone of this team. If not, um, he definitely is the backbone of this team. And this team can't win without Lamar Jackson. And I think he's going to play. I think he's going to be fine. But I just don't like the fact that he's putting himself in that situation to, to possibly get injured. I mean, just run into the end zone, man. It's, you don't need to flip. You don't need to, you don't need to do that. You can celebrate when you're in the end zone, but to, to put yourself in that position to hurt yourself, I don't like it. But overall, this game pretty much lived up to every expectation that, that people wanted. Pretty much all the primetime games have, except for obviously the, the terrible game last night between the Panthers and, and the Texans. But every primetime game thus far this season was amazing. And, and this was this lived up to the hype so much. I loved it. Yeah, primetime football this year has been unbelievable. We've seen so many great games. But yeah, um, based on that, the flip, actually, I did like, I'm not sure if it's actually the hip injury. I think uh, Schefter uh, posted something about like a minor, very minor illness. So maybe that's that. I think Lamar's fine. Lamar will be able to play this upcoming weekend. Yeah, I um, so. yeah, I think he'll be he'll be okay. Lamar Jackson does not miss games, and when he does, it's because of COVID. I don't think he has COVID. He's gotten it twice. I'd hope he hasn't gotten it a third time. But that game was, I'd say, probably game of the year so far. I mean, it's a short sample size, but we've seen so many great games this NFL season so far. Between like that, the first Ravens Raiders game, games like that, there have been some great games and. That one lived up to the hype. You got a classic Ravens-Chiefs matchup between two of the most dynamic quarterbacks the league's ever seen. Two of the most talented quarterbacks the league's got right now. And a budding little rivalry we got there. Um, I was really excited to see. I'm a huge Lamar Jackson fan. I love Lamar Jackson and everything he does. I think he's a a great quarterback, an unbelievable talent. I think his stat line did not reflect how well he played. The first pick was Sammy Watkins slipping, and the second pick was kind of on him. But after that second pick, he was dominant. He, only, I think he only had four incompletions from that second pick on. He was dominating the Chiefs with his legs, with his arm, and he just looked like a completely different quarterback after that. He looked so comfortable. He looked angry. He looked like he took that per- that game, like that second pick personally, as Michael Jordan would say. He looked like a superstar. He looked like the best player on the field pretty much. And the Ravens, I I don't think he's a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. He's not, but he is an elite quarterback in his own right. And I think this game was the Ravens taking advantage of the Chiefs' mistakes. The Chiefs with that Mahomes interception, that 
I've never seen him look that bad or look like weird like that under pressure. He just tossed it up like it was a layup and it was an easy interception. And then the fumble by Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I mean, that's just inexcusable. You can you're you're trying to drive down and chew clock and win that game. You cannot be fumbling with a game on the line. If that's Joe Judge, he's making Clyde Edwards Hilaire run laps around the Giants practice facility, as we all know. It's just little mistakes like that. I think the Ravens. I don't even know if they were the better football team. They just took advantage of the mistakes at the right time, right place, right time. Odafe Owe with the forced fumble, welcome to the NFL. That's a great welcome to the NFL, by the way. As a rookie, you get to force a fumble on prime time in one of the biggest games of the year. That's your signature NFL moment right there. I'm glad, for, I'm happy for him. And I'm happy for all the viewers. That was a great NFL, that was a great NFL song. Everyone's talking about the mistakes that the Chiefs made on offense. People will be quick to point out Mahomes' mistakes, but... I'm not going to put it on Patrick Mahomes. He gets a pass in my mind because he's been carrying the Chiefs team early in the year. Him, Kelsey, and Tyreek literally have been pulling the entire ship. You mentioned Tyreek Hill real quick, Colin. One carry oh. for – well, not one carry, but one 15 way. yards, man. I, I mean, <laughs> three receptions, 14 yards. They completely shut him down. Him, they put him, him in a Mahomes, blanket. Him and Mahomes get a pass in my estimation. Mm-hmm. You're, you're allowed yeah. to get a pass. Who doesn't get a pass – is the Chiefs' defensive line who had a terrible game. Jaron Reed, Chris Jones, these guys should be able to play better than what they ended up playing against Baltimore because the fact of the matter is Lamar Jackson had 107 rushing yards. The guy is still a quarterback at the end of the day. So, look, I know he's mobile. I know the game is changing to the point where these guys can break out for big runs, but your defensive line has to do a better job of stopping a mobile quarterback like Lamar. Like what I'm saying is you knew this is what you were getting into when you game plan for the week to come against Baltimore. The fact that guys like Chris Jones, Jaron Reed, you know, uh, Sorensen weren't able to play better than what they did is disgraceful. And it's going to be a problem for this Chiefs team because you can't have a situation where Mahomes is forced to throw it 60 times to, to, to score 49 points to win every game. You need your defense to come up big, especially when, when the winter months start coming. When you get to the cold days in Kansas City, you're going to need your defense to stop the run and do a better job of of rushing the quarterback, neither of which were done in this game. Yeah, spoken like from a true cold football expert, Colin Lawford, the Patriots fan, you know best. I mean, you need to have a balance late in in the year with the passing, rushing, and the defense. I mean, the only person who showed up on defense on um, Sunday was Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. He was really the only person who showed up at all for the Kansas City Chiefs on defense. And, yeah, I'm sure that they'll get back to normal. But the Chiefs' defense is not a world beater. They are they have weaknesses. They have holes. So those have to be addressed. As you said, Chris Jones, guys like Chris Jones, he is one of the best defensive tackles, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. He's got to be better. Jaron Reed, you said. And at the second level and, like, corners, they, they all have to be better. So they – We'll be able to bounce back, but yeah, Lamar. I'm I'm glad for Lamar and the Ravens to get like get the chip off their shoulder, like to win that game against the Kansas City Chiefs, who have been dominating them for a little while now since Mahomes got into the league. Before before we move on, real quick, I I just want to point out that 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 fourth down that that Harbaugh asked Lamar if he wants to go for. Everyone's giving him. Everyone's being like, oh yeah, he's such like this and that. He's so good. What is he supposed to say? No. What are you going to say? No. Let's punt it. Let's why <laughs> give him a host. Would any quarterback 
not say let's go for it on fourth and one. So I'm not I'm not giving him right. all this credit that that everyone on social media is giving him because there's only one answer to that question is and it's like obviously yes let's go for it let's ice the game we're up by one like we're we're up by one and you can't get Patrick Mahomes the ball right exactly um, just up by one point with even a minute to go I I, I mean for people going crazy saying he's he, he's such a great quarterback he he runs everything he runs a league. Any quarterback in the NFL would have said yes to that. Oh, yeah. Like, you, you have to. But for the Chiefs' to defensive line to, to give Lamar, no one was even five feet from him. I mean, he could have crawled past the first down marker, and, and that's where we go back to the Chiefs' defense. They have to step up there. They knew. Everyone watching the game knew Lamar was running that ball. I, I mean – it was no question. That's what he does. They're going to run that play every single time, the read option to get, to get Lamar that ball. And he's going to pretty much keep it every time because that's what he does. And for, for that defense to be nowhere near him, it, it is just crazy to me. That was a play that could have been stopped if they had a better play call, but I don't, I, I'm not giving Lamar all this hype for going on that when that's the right football play and every quarterback in the league would have said, yeah, let's go for this and win the game instead of giving the best quarterback in the NFL a chance to beat us. I, I mean, it's crazy to think, that that him saying yes is so outrageous and preposterous and makes him stand out from anybody else Ravens definitely had to go for it and for the Chiefs offense may look flashy but defense still wins championships now we saw a lot of fantasy like plays in that game on the topic of fantasy I want to swing it to my friend Tyler Yu who's going to give us a stardom a sit and a sleeper for this upcoming week. Tyler, what do you got for us? Let's start with the stardom. My stardom is going back to a guy we've talked about a lot with the matchup, I said matchup of the week, Chris Godwin. I think Chris Godwin is the undisputed stardom. If you've gotten the news that Antonio Brown is out with COVID. And first of all, forget that. Chris Godwin leads the Buccaneers with 19 targets. He has outpaced Mike Evans 19 to 15, I believe. Gronk 19 to 13 to 10 and then uh, Antonio Brown 19 to 13. I know Mike Evans is their number one receiver, but Godwin's going to get the most targets. He He's filmed, formed a rapport with Brady. Brady's comfortable throwing him the ball in tough situations. Mike Evans is going to get the Jalen Ramsey matchup this week uh, where Ramsey shadows him. So I think that Godwin's going to be able to move around maybe in the slot a little bit. And um, if not, he's going to get matched up against Darius Williams, who Darius Williams is a good cornerback. He's a great number two for the Rams, but he's not Jalen Ramsey. So he's going to like, you're going to, I'm expecting Godwin to have a big game, get a lot of targets. And I expect him to get at least one touchdown. I think that he's a good starter. I think he's going to outpace his projection this week. I think he's going to have a good week. I'd say around like a hundred yards, maybe a touchdown. He's a good starter for this week. Yeah, I mean, Tyler, I, I agree with you. I, I have him on my team. He hasn't left my flex position since week one, getting when he got 23 and a half. And then week two, he got 16.2 against Atlanta and PPR. So he he has, I have no reason to take him out of my flex position. I don't plan to. I, I mean, I agree with you 100%. I, I think he's actually one of Brady's more, I, I think he actually liked Godwin better than Mike Evans, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I think I, I think he likes throwing him much more. Um, mm-hmm. so we'll see, but but I completely agree. And he he's not coming out of my flex position. I, I can tell you that. Yeah, I think he's a good player for this week. Like, yeah, I think he's a very good player. I love the pick. I mean, Godwin, in a lot of ways, reminds me of when Brady had Cooks in New England. Same sort of route running style, kind of outside the numbers, but yet he can do some stuff in the slot. 
especially with Antonio Brown being out, him and uh, Scotty Miller, Rob Gronkowski might have a chance to have a big day against LA. Great pick, Tyler. Uh, so what do you got for us in terms of a sit -em? Daryl Henderson Jr., same game, um, running back. We talked about, I think, Mike, you mentioned that he's injured. He's got a little rib cartilage injury. He's questionable, but and he missed practice today, but I think that was more of a precautionary measure. I believe that he will be playing. That's what uh, the reports I've read so far. But um, from what I'm expecting, first of all, let's there he's playing against the Buccaneers front. The Buccaneers shut down running backs. They abuse running backs. And I don't expect Henderson to get any production in the run game. I really don't. I don't see anything happening. I haven't seen the running back decimate the Buccaneers in a while. And I don't think Daryl Henderson Jr. will be that guy. I think also a bad sign for him in a very high power passing offense in the, in the Los Angeles Rams, he's only gotten four catches in two games. That's not a good sign for PPR guys. For a guy who we expected to have a blunt, a blunt load of the workload catching the ball out of the backfield, that four catches in two games is not a good sign. Uh, the Buc As I said, the Buccaneers have a very strong run defense. Um, I believe that this game is going to be a shootout. It's going to be a passing shootout. So I don't think that Henderson's going to have a lot of opportunities to run the ball. Uh, and even when he does run the ball, I don't think he's going to have any success because, as I said, Vita Vea is going to eat him alive. Dominic uh Shaq Barrett, JPP the two linebackers in the middle that I mentioned before. And we, I believe that Sony Michelle is going to be more involved in the injury. I, I mean, in this game because of Henderson's injury, as I said, I believe that Henderson's going to play, but if I have, if you have him in your fantasy team, just sit him, just don't even bother playing him, please. Just like, you're going to save yourself a lot of pain because he's not going to do anything this week. Yeah. I, I also have him on my fantasy team. Just speaking of that. But, oh, I'm sorry. I mean, he, he he's only played week one for me. I had him in week two just because my other running back um, wasn't going to play well, I, I didn't think. But he's had 15.7 and 17.2 in my PPR league, so obviously not great for a running back. And honestly, you mentioned him sit him week three against Tampa Bay. I would even consider sitting him week four against Arizona with Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt coming off the edges. So, so I mean, I like that. I mean, he's injured. You obviously don't want your uh, one, either running back one, which I can't imagine he is on many teams, no. or running back two or even three to, to be playing while he's injured. So, so I like that pick as well. A uh, certain guy that we know very well around here, uh, Danny Dimes, Mr. Daniel Jones. I don't know if he's even considered a sleeper, but based on his band fantasy leagues, he's only owned in 30.5% of leagues. Um, and he's a fourth-ranked quarterback in fantasy football right now. You see, like, in real life, he's not the best quarterback, but in fantasy, he's fantastic. He's got the legs. He's got the he's got like the upside with his legs. He almost had 100 rushing yards last week. He's had back to back weeks for rushing touchdowns, and he's got a fantastic matchup this week with the Atlanta Falcons, who are not a good defense, a very very bad defense, as one might say. The Falcons are gonna let up points. They're gonna let Daniel Jones run all over them, throw all over them. So I'm expecting a shootout, high scoring performance from Daniel Jones, and obviously the. The main reason I picked him is because the upside of the legs. He had 95 yards, almost had another big touchdown run that got called back from with a CJ board hold. Daniel Jones is going to have a huge week this week with the against the uh, Atlanta Falcons. So if you haven't picked him up, and if you're currently like considering placing a quarterback position, in my case, I might be. I'm a little conflicted with who I should start. I'm picking up Daniel Jones in my fantasy league because I think that Jones 
is going to give massive production this week. Maybe not for weeks coming forth, but I think this week is a huge week for Daniel Jones. I think he's going to have a massive week. I think he's a guy that some may say is a must start, and he's only owned in only like 30.5% of fantasy leagues in the ESPN format. Get him while you can. Yeah, I mean, he had 31 and a half last week, 23 and a half the week before, and I have Justin Herbert as my starting quarterback, and Same. he only got 15 points and 16 points. So, I mean, he he's a better fantasy quarterback at, at this point in the season than, than Justin Herbert is. But he's only owned. See, my, my, my fantasy app says he's owned by forty two percent of the. Uh, right. uh, maybe it's picked up. Well. Maybe it's picked up a little bit since yesterday. But yeah. So I, I mean, I'm not sure if, if many people are going to be going down to the waiver wire to pick up Daniel Jones. But I, I, I mean, I like it. He's on paper. He's not a bad fantasy quarterback. May, might not right. be a good, uh, a great uh, quarterback on the field, but fantasy wise, he's not a bad oh, quarterback. He's, fan, he's fantastic. So I thought, yeah. I don't hate that pick at all. Don't hate it. Definitely a sleeper. A chance for a big game against Atlanta could happen. Darius Slayton, you never know, could be in that same oh, camp. God. You never know. He might be inspired after what happened last week. He comes out, has a great game. You know, want to get the New York media back on his side. I could see it happening. I love the picks, though, Tyler. But we've been dancing around it a little bit. We've been talking about picks. We've been talking about the games to come. Gentlemen, without further ado, I think it is time to make our picks for the week three matchups. So I'll start things off. Washington at Buffalo. Mike, I'll swing it to you. Who do you like? I love Buffalo in this game. Ryan Fitzpatrick injured. I don't think Taylor Heineke has what it takes in order to beat a good Buffalo team and a good Buffalo defense. So, so I'm going Buffalo all the way. I, I, it's in Buffalo. I just don't think Washington has what it takes to win this game. Yeah, I got Buffalo by 10. I think Buffalo's going to win this game. I think Josh Allen's going to – he's going to have a little bit of a tough time right away, starting with this this – um, Washington football team defense, but the Washington football team defense has not been as great as they have in last year so far to start off this year. They've, I know the stats didn't really say it, but they got decimated by Justin Herbert, uh, just completing pass after pass, just like surgically poking at them. And then Daniel Jones was dominating them this past weekend. I think this game is going to be a 10, I'd say 10 point game at least. I think that the Bills will win this game though. And I think Josh Allen will get comfortable in the second half and start picking them apart. Yeah, I've got Buffalo, too. I mean, it's a home game for the Bills. The offense seemed to figure it out last week after the head-scratching week one loss against Pittsburgh. I think this is just a chance for Buffalo to keep things rolling, get a win over Washington. Also, no disrespect at all to Taylor Heineke, but I fully believe Josh Allen could and will beat Taylor Heineke in the possible event of a shootout. So the next game we got... Chicago at Cleveland. I'm going Chicago here. Justin Fields has named starting quarterback. Baker Mayfield obviously had that injury um, last game, and I'm not sure if he's fully healthy, honestly. So I'm just going to roll with, with Justin Fields getting his first NFL start, and I think they're going to take down the Browns. Yeah, I really want to bet on Justin Fields, and I hope that I, I would like to see him win his first NFL start. I love Justin Fields. I think that he's a good quarterback, but I got the Browns winning this game. I think Baker's going to get back to, I guess, healthy. This week, I know he's a little injured, but I think he's going to be healthy for game, for game time. And I think the Browns are too good of a team to lose to Justin Fields on this first NFL start. But it could happen. I think the Browns will win this game. Yeah. I'm taking Cleveland too, guys. I mean, I know Justin Fields making his first start. There's going to be a lot of hype around him making his debut. But just for that reason, I think Cleveland will win this game. Even if Fields goes out there and has a decent game, it's not going to be an offense that clicks on Sunday from Chicago, and I think ultimately Cleveland will pull this one out. So next, we got Baltimore at Detroit. 
Detroit stinks. Baltimore's winning this game. There's not really much to talk about. I mean, who does Detroit have? They have they have DeAndre Swift and they have Jared Goff, but Baltimore has Lamar Jackson and what do we know what they can do against since they just did against the Chiefs? I'm going Baltimore by 25. All I'm hoping for in this matchup is that Hawkinson and Swift do good in fantasy because they're both on my team. But other than that, yes, Baltimore by double digits. I say I say Baltimore by 18, but could be 25. I, the Detroit defense is atrocious. So, yes, Baltimore will dominate them. Obviously, I'm taking Baltimore as well. I could see this being a short-up defense game for Baltimore because Detroit has no running game. Jamal Williams is not that guy in terms of giving you big rushing yards at the critical moment. I think uh, Baltimore could shore up their defense, get things rolling in the right direction, especially after you have a game against Kansas City that turns into an offensive back and forth. Next, we have Indianapolis at Tennessee. Yeah, I, I'm going with the Titans on this. I, I mean, Carson Wentz has not one but two sprained angles, and, and I was never high on him when he was in Philly anyway. I don't think he's a good quarterback, so I, I, I think Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry are going to be able to run all over this Indianapolis Colts team, and, and I'm going with Titans on this one. Yeah, I don't think Jacob Easton's beating Tannehill in a shootout. Yeah, Titans by 17. Titans are winning this game. I'm taking the Titans, too, for the simple reason of Derrick Henry. The Colts' run defense is not very good. This is going to be an opportunity for Derrick Henry to run all over them, and I fully expect that's what he's going to do on Sunday. So we got Chargers at Chiefs. I love this game. I think it's going to be a great game. I hope Justin Herbert has a fantastic game, but I don't see the Chiefs losing two in a row, especially now that they're in Kansas City. I just don't think Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill are going to allow that to happen. I think they're going to have... I think specifically Tyreek Hill's going to have a great game, a better game than 27 yards he had last game. I think he's going to go off for probably two, three touchdowns over 100 yards. I, I think Tennessee's going to take that. Tennessee. I think the Chiefs are going to take this one away easily. It's going to be a very oh. high-scoring game. It, it's points at points every every other drive. It's going to be tons of points. Tons. It'll, it'll be a fun game. It'll be a lot of points, but let's not get it twisted. Kansas City's winning this game. Mahomes is pissed. The whole Kansas City, everybody in Kansas City's pissed. They just lost a heartbreaker to Baltimore and got pretty much embarrassed on national television on the last drive. They're not losing this game. They're not coming out of here with an L. Arrowhead is, or I think they changed their name, but that place is going to be rocking on Sunday on Sunday afternoon. It's, it's gonna end badly for uh, the Chargers. I'm taking the Chiefs. Winning culture knows how to come back after a loss. And quite frankly, I could see this being a close game based on the virtue of Mahomes not taking as many risks. And you could very well sit down with him this week and say, all right, we need a sure win this week against the Chargers, division opponent. Go out there and play your best football, which sometimes means making careful choices, making smart choices, and maybe not trying to be too flashy with things. I could see it being close. I like the Chiefs around 24 to 20 in this game, based on it being a close game. Uh, next game we got New Orleans at New England. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this game... It might not be a good game. I, I can't really tell right now if it's going to be good, exciting or not. But I have the Saints. Uh, I, I think Jameis Winston is, is, is just going to be a better quarterback than Mac Jones is. I, I think he is a better quarterback, obviously. He's had much more experience. Um, and I think, I mean, Alvin Kamara is just going to run, run all over the, the Pats defense. So I, I have the Saints, but I don't have it as one of my top five games of the week. That's for sure. But I do have Saints winning this game after the, the very bad performance by Winston and New Orleans last week. Yeah, I actually have the Patriots winning this game. I think in uh, in Foxborough, it's going to be a slow game, slow-paced game. It's going to be very, yeah, it's going to be very slow-paced. 
Mac Jones is going to be checking down, averaging air, air yards of three yards per target. It's going to be a very slow game, but I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. It's not going to be very exciting. As you said, I'm not going to be watching this game. But I do think that the Patriots pull it out in a very close game, like 24 to 20, something like that, or like 21-17. So it'll be very low-scoring. I obviously will be watching this game. I have New England winning this game uh, around the same as Tyler, around the 24-20 area. Same thing score-wise is how I see Kansas City and the Chargers going. But really, I picked the Pats because I see it as a battle of two very different quarterbacks. Careful Mac Jones, who's scared to upset old man Belichick, and crazy Jameis Winston, who is willing to throw the ball 50 yards down the field per snap. So I think carefulness will win this game because I don't see too much of a talent gap in terms of the offense. I think it's close when you take into account who's actually throwing the ball for each team. So I see it as a New England win here. Shifting things over, we have Atlanta at the Giants. Just to go back, you, you, you said you, you're picking Patriots for a certain reason. I think Patriots fans would pick Patriots to win any game, especially the Chiefs. But <laughs> so that's one thing. But back to the Giants game. I'm going Giants. I mean, Eli Manning's numbers getting retired. I think this is a perfect opportunity for them to get their first win. Daniel Jones had a great performance against the Washington football team on Thursday night football. Uh, not yesterday, but the week before. And I just don't think Atlanta's a good team. I, I mean, Matt Ryan's sure a good quarterback. He has Calvin Ridley, but I, I think the Giants going to be able to get this done. Daniel Jones and Sterling Shepard, I believe, are going to have a great game together, and Giants are going to get their first win against Atlanta at home. The theme of uh, this Sunday, obviously, Eli Manning's jersey retirement. Great moment. It's going to be fantastic. You're going to be there. You're lucky to be able to cover this game. You're, you're going to be able to see Eli Manning get his jersey retired. But, yes, the Giants will win this game, in my opinion. I This is this game, the theme of this game is struggling defense. Both teams have had struggling defenses. The Falcons, nobody expected their defense to be good, but the Giants, everybody expected their defense to be able to carry them in games. Even with Daniel Jones struggling, they would expect the defense to carry the Giants, and the Giants' defense is atrocious through two weeks. So if the Giants' defense can step up, this won't be a close game, but if if it is what I expect it to be, I think it's going to be a shootout, and I think the Giants win in the shootout. I got to take the Falcons here. Like you said, struggling defense for the Giants. I could see this being a coming out party for Kyle Pitts. Matt Ryan has been struggling too. He didn't play the best game against the Bucs. He had moments where he looked okay. He had moments where he looked out of sorts. I could see this being a get it together game for Matt Ryan. And for that reason, I'm taking Atlanta. So we have Bengals at Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm gonna go, I, I believe, with the Steelers. I'm not sure if Roethlisberger is even playing. If he's not playing, I don't think they're gonna win this game. Um, but I'm gonna go off the basis that he is playing. So I'm going with Steelers. I, I mean, I love the Bengals. I love Joe Burrow. I love uh, what him and Jamar Chase have going there. And, and I really think that they have a lot of potential going forward in this league as a quarterback and wide receiver. But I just think the Steelers are a better team here. Um, they're gonna win this game. and. If Roethlisberger is playing, I don't necessarily think it's going to be a close game. I think Steelers are a much better team. They're, they're going to pretty much blow Cincinnati out of Cincinnati, and that's going to be that. They're in Pittsburgh, and I think they just have a huge advantage over them, talent-wise and veteran-wise. Yeah, even if Roethlisberger doesn't play, I still think the Steelers win this game just based on the coaching and the defense. It's going to be – I think it's going to be a close game solely because I don't think – I think Roethlisberger, one, he plays. I think, two, he does not take any risks with that – with his injury. He's going to be throwing check downs left and right. I expect Najee Harris to have a massive game. His first real, yeah, as I said, coming out party to the NFL. I think Najee Harris is going to have a massive game just based off, like not even just rushing the ball. He's going to get a lot of screens, easy passes, easy swing passes to get him open, get him open. And 
I think that the Steelers win this in a close game, but it's going to be very ugly. I don't think it's going to be high scoring at all. I got to disagree. I got to take the upset here. I'm taking the Bengals on the virtue of the defensive front for the Steelers being kind of hobbled. Added with the fact that Joe Mixon had 127 yards last week, I could see the Bengals employing a heavy run game, which could wear down Pittsburgh's defense. And all Joe Burrow has to do is not screw it up too bad. So I'm taking the Bengals in this one. Next, we have Arizona at Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a feeling I know where all three of us are going to be in this game. Not much to talk yeah. about. Cardinals are winning this game. I, I mean, they're the, the Jaguars stink. Jaguars stick. I mean, Trevor Lawrence hasn't played well. Urban Meyer hasn't coached well. Arizona's winning this game. It's not going to be a good game to watch. It's, it's not going to be close. Arizona by by long. What I'm looking for this week is a big performance from uh, Fordham's very own Chase Edmonds. I expect him to have like 150 all-purpose yards just because this Jaguars team is terrible. Terrible football team. I think that either Edmonds or Hopkins is gonna have a massive game. I think Hopkins might go for 200. Kyler might go for 500 all purpose, just having fun with it, honestly. It's that crazy. I don't think this is gonna be a close game. It's gonna be a blowout for the Cardinals winning this game. Yeah, this is a no-brainer. Kyler Murray's been playing great football. Uh, they trounced a good Titans team in week one. There's no reason to believe they won't absolutely slaughter Jacksonville in week three here. So next, we got those New York Jets at the Denver Broncos. Another game that, that we already touched about earlier in the episode, another game where I think I know where we're all going. Jets stink, Broncos are winning this game. Uh, I, I mean, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or if Drew Locke were to somehow play, I, I think they win either way. Denver's winning this game. I, I don't think Jets are gonna, uh, are gonna have their first win against the Denver Broncos. Yeah, Broncos are winning this game. I hope Zach Wilson's a better game, but yeah, no, the Broncos are going to win this game. Yeah, I'm taking the Broncos. I could see Teddy Bridgewater having another game where he plays very nicely, very productively. Uh, yeah, no-brainer for me. The Jets haven't proved they can win yet, and until they do so, I will not be picking them in any fashion for any game. So next, we have Miami at the Raiders. Yeah, I, I mean, this is kind of like a Derek, a Derek Carr revenge season, in my opinion, so so I think that's going to continue. With Tua out, I don't think Jacoby Brissett has anywhere near enough talent in order to beat the, this Raiders team. So so I, I think Derek Carr is going to go off. He, he's going to have a great passing game. It's ho hopefully the entire team clicks, but I, I I think the Raiders have this one easily. I don't think the Dolphins really have a chance with or without Tua, honestly. E even if Tua was playing, I, I don't think he has what it takes to beat this Raiders team. Yeah, the Gruden Grinders will be three and Uh The Raiders will win this game. And it's not, I don't think it's going to be close, especially with Brissett. I think the Raiders defense isn't that great, but they can get to the quarterback and they will make Brissett make mistakes. I think Derek Carr is going to have a massive, another big game. Derek Carr is slowly ascending up the quarterback rankings into a borderline, a very good quarterback right now. So, yeah, the Raiders win this game by, say, two touchdowns. In the words of the illustrious Al Davis, just win, baby. I'm taking the Raiders here to win this one over Miami. Uh, I just think that, you know, given how Tua has been kind of in and out, it's questionable if he's going to play this week. Finding an offensive rhythm is going to be a chore for Miami. And the Raiders have been proving themselves. They already beat two better teams in Pittsburgh and Baltimore. who are better than Miami. There's no reason to believe they won't win this week as well. So Tampa Bay at LA. Big one here. Game we talked about potentially game of the week looking down the slate. I, I mean, this is going to come down to the wire, in my opinion. Um, I do think Tampa Bay is going to win this game, 
but it's gonna come either by a last three like three seconds left with a field goal or, or a fumble on the goal line or something like that to ice the game. I, I, this game's not gonna be a blowout. It's gonna be down to the wire. Two very good quarterbacks, obviously, with Tom Brady, and now that Matt Stafford has a, has a rejuvenated career and pretty much a, a way better offense than he ever had in Detroit. Um, it's going to be a great game. Can't wait to watch this one, but Tampa Bay is going to win. I have no reason to to bet against the reigning Super Bowl champs. Um, I might take a different strategy there. I will be betting against the reigning Super Bowl champ. I think that the Rams win this game on a less, last second field goal. As I said, game of the week. The fact that this isn't a primetime game is a crime to me. I think that this should have been the Monday Night Football game. But you know what? That's for another day to discuss. I think that this is a game of the week. I think that the Rams win in a last second field goal. And I think it's going to be a shootout. My prediction was 38-35 Rams, but anything can happen. It's going to be a fantastic game either way. I think you guys know what my pick's going to be. I think Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will beat the Los Angeles Rams. I do think it's going to be a shootout. I think uh, on defense, Tampa's secondary is not going to hold up too great against the Rams. I think Brady's going to have to carry them over. But given the amount of weapons he'll have at his disposal, even with the subtraction of Antonio Brown, I think he'll do so and handle himself nicely, as always. So we have Seattle at Minnesota. Another heavyweight bow in this week that I think also has potential to be the game of the week. Um, I, I love Russell Wilson. I love DK Metcalf. I, I love what Pete Carroll does with, with this offense in Seattle. Um, I'm not sure how high I am how high I am on the Vikings right now. They make a lot of mistakes, and, and I just don't think Kirk Cousins is worth the money that he's paid, and I really don't think he's that great of a quarterback. So I'm going with, with, with the Seahawks in this one. I think Russell Wilson is going to be able to connect with Tyler Lockett, DK Met, Metcalf. Uh, Chris Carson is going to have a good game. I, I just think they have more pieces than the Vikings have. Obviously, the Vikings have arguably the best running back in football um, behind Chris McCaffrey. And in my opinion, that's debatable. I think Dalvin Cook is probably better than Chris McCaffrey, in my opinion. So I, I think Seahawks going to win this game, but you never know with, with, with what that team can, with what that offense can do either. But I'm going Seahawks in this one. Uh, I also think it's going to be similar to last week's Vikings game. Seahawks, I do think Seahawks win this game. I do think the Vikings are going to have an opportunity to tie it up with a field goal, and they're going to miss the field goal, just like last week. It's going to be heartbreaking passion for the Vikings. I'm sorry, Vikings fans, but I think the Seahawks win this game, and it's going to be one of those last-second finishes. Part. It's going to be a missed field goal by the Vikings to cost them the game. Yeah, for me, this one is an evenly matched game in terms of everything but the two quarterbacks. When it comes down to those two quarterbacks, Russell Wilson no doubtably has an edge over uh, Kirk Cousins, and for that reason, I'm taking the Seahawks, because when you flip that coin, I do believe Wilson will come out on top nine times out of 10. So we have Green Bay at San Francisco. A great Sunday night matchup, I, I believe. Um, I don't think it's necessarily gonna be that close of a game though, but I, I think both teams have potential uh, to score a lot of points, and I think Green Bay is going to take this one. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. Everyone who watches football knows that. I, I mean, when Aaron Rodgers can really just step on the field and, and the throws he can make and the vision he has on the field to see his receivers downfield and different reads he makes, it, it's spectacular to watch. And, and Jimmy G just doesn't have that. I mean, San Francisco's defense can can step up against any team in the NFL, just like I said about the Bucks defense, but I just think Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to throw this ball all over the field, wherever and whenever he wants, and I'm taking Green Bay. On contrary, I will be taking San Francisco. I don't know why, it's just the 49ers just play the uh, the Packers so well, and 
I know they're banged up with the running back situation, but you can insert a Walmart cashier into that running offense and they will get 85 yards. They will get 90 yards on touchdown. That run attack combined with the Packers' awful run defense is going to be a recipe for success for the 49ers. I think the Niners win this game. And yeah, I think it's going to be close, but I think the Niners will pull it out. Yeah, I'm taking the San Francisco 49ers here as well solely because I believe Debo Samuel will have a great game. I think he can get to the Packers secondary and get through uh, because at the end of the day, George Kittle's going to be over the middle. You're going to have to make a choice if you're Green Bay's defense between what would you rather have, George Kittle eating you alive over the middle or Debo Samuel potentially getting one or two big plays down the sideline. So in, in my mind, I think the 49ers can win this game. I think Rodgers is a great talent, uh, obviously a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. But in terms of the other personnel, I think San Francisco matches up too well against Green Bay. Uh, so our last game here for Monday Night Football, Philadelphia Eagles at the Dallas Cowboys. Who do we got, gentlemen? I've actually been really high on the Eagles. I, I, I think Jalen Hurts is a quarterback who has so much potential in this league. And with a wide receiver like Jalen Rager and if Miles Sanders can get going, I think they have a lot of potential. But I don't think they have potential against the Dallas Cowboys. I, I mean, Dax having a pretty good season this far throwing wise i mean they have zeke who is a lot of a lot of times up and down but with cd lamb and amari cooper and cedric wilson i i i just don't think the eagles have enough to stop this pretty lethal wide receiving core from the dallas cowboys and i think cowboys are going to win this game and i really it's going to be a great game in my opinion a good monday night football game but i just don't think the eagles have what it takes to, to, to take down this cowboys offense yeah, I think the Cowboys will win this game. All I'm hoping for is C.D. Lamb to go absolutely nuclear in fantasy football. I need him. Uh, but yeah, Cowboys are winning this game. It's going to be against a good NFC East matchup against two of my least favorite teams in the NFL. But I think it's going to be a fun game. And I think the Cowboys win and put up a good amount of points. I say, I don't think it's going to be a blowout because I think Jalen Hurts is going to keep the Eagles in this game. But um, I'd say like 34-24, something like that for the Cowboys. Yeah, you know, I was very tempted to take Philly here because I think down the stretch, this is the type of game that can go either way because of the nature of that rivalry and the nature of how bad the NFC East is going to be. But ultimately, ultimately, I'm taking Dallas in this game because I think Dak and CeeDee Lamb and the weapons he has and Ezekiel Elliott. And by the way, Pollard had a great game last week for Dallas. He could do that again against a team like Philly. No one's saying that can't happen. I just think Dallas has too many pieces for this game at home early in the season, not to figure it out and get a win against Philly. Uh, even though I'm a, I'm a Jalen Hurts apologist, I think he's going to be a great quarterback. But yeah, I'm taking Dallas in this instance. Gentlemen, it's been fun hearing all of your picks. I'm looking forward to week three. It's going to be a blast. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have today for this edition of NFL Friday. Remember, you can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, WFUV.org, or anywhere you get your podcasts. For Mike Messina, Tyler Yu, I'm Colin Locker, and NFL Friday is a production of WFUV Sports.